0: Amen. All right, check this out. One day there was this uh, Amish boy and his father and they were visiting them mall. Okay. And they were amazed get this by almost everything they saw, especially, listen to this, it, these two shiny silver walls that could move apart and they moved back together again. And so the boy, he asked his dad, he says, what is this father? And the father said to his son, have you never seen an elevator before? Okay. He said, son, I, I got no idea. I've never seen anything like this in my life. And so the boy uh, uh, and the father, they were watching in amazement and, uh, at this uh, shiny door thing. And, and all of a sudden this uh, kind of not too attractive lady, she walks up to the moving walls and she presses a button. And sure enough, the walls open and the lady, she walked right in between uh, into this, this small little room there. And the walls closed again. And the, the boy and his father were watching these small circular numbers light up and, uh, and go this way. And, and then they continued to watch until the numbers at last began to go back down in reverse order. And, and so finally the walls opened up again. But this time this young, beautiful woman stepped out. Yeah. And so the father leaned over to his son and said, son, go get your mother. <laughs> <laughs> Now, just a heads up for you men who laugh really heartily at that one. You're in big trouble on the way home, okay? Uh, but anyway, just wanted to give you a heads up. But seriously, folks, uh, granted, maybe elevators cannot transform your wife, right, man? You better start making up some ground. Say, so, yes, of course. I'd never want to do that. Okay. <laughs> but they can transform your wife. But if you think about it, folks, elevators can actually transform your life. And the reason why I say that is because it works like this, folks. Elevators, as we all know, have two destinations, right? You either go up or you go where? You go down. Therefore, every time you and I get on an elevator, it can and I think should serve as a positive reminder of where we're going to spend all eternity. Okay? And the reason why is because the Bible says the exact same thing. Folks, the Bible is clear about this. Old and New Testament. Every single one of us are currently headed up for eternal bliss in heaven. woo! Or unfortunately, eternal torment in hell. And you can crack jokes all you want about it, but it ain't going to change a thing, folks. The Bible is very clear. Every single one of us, myself included, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds. Some of us sooner than others. But be rest assured, folks, your time is coming, and there is nothing you could do to stop it. Now, that's the bad news. Here's the good news. (laughs) This is awesome. Through Jesus Christ, we can know for sure today that, folks, we are headed up, not down, that we are really, truly going straight up into heaven and not hell. Isn't that awesome? All two of you? Praise God. Okay, but here lies the problem. You would think that people would rejoice at this amazing news in the Bible, that we can know for sure today we're headed straight into heaven. Yet folks, here's the problem. People today not only scoff at the Bible, but they scoff at Jesus' claims in the Bible who says he is the only way to heaven. And folks, I'm here to tell you, you can scoff all you want, but one minute into eternity, you'll discover just like that, every last bit of it was true. But now, it's too late forever. Therefore, to lovingly warn those who may indeed be headed in the wrong direction, uh, we're going to begin a new uh, study called just that, One Minute Into Eternity. One Minute Into Eternity. I thought this would be just a, just felt led. This is a logical thing. After our Bible prophecy study, the rapture could happen. But folks, I'm telling you, our death could happen even sooner. And who would ever want to go to hell forever? Amen? This is seriously imminent, okay? And what we're going to do is take a look at four classical objections that skeptics seem to have when it comes to eternal matters. Okay. At least that I've encountered. Okay. And there's no time to waste. Let's take a look at the first one. The first objection that skeptics have when it comes to dealing with eternity or eternal matters is listen, is there life after death even in the first place, right? Is there life after death? Okay. And folks, to be honest with you, this is a great question. Okay. Uh, If a person's asking this, you shouldn't run from it. This is a logical, straightforward question And, and think about it, right? If all of this is true, if all of this Jesus stuff is true, and there really is a heaven and there really is a hell, then the first logical question is that, right? Well, hey, wait a second. Is there even life after death? Right? Okay. It's a logical question. So let's begin our journey this morning by answering that question, hopefully, and I believe emphatically. Okay. In fact, turn to somebody and say, Hey, I'm going on a journey. Yeah, we're going on a journey. We're going to switch it up a little bit different, okay? Let's go on this journey. Let's see if we can answer this question. Is there life after death? And let's start the journey by asking your average Joe on the street. You know what I'm saying? The non-Christian. What are their beliefs on eternal matters? Maybe they can define for us, is there really life after death? Here's what the non-Christian believes about eternity in our world today. 63% of non-Christians have no idea what John 316 even refers to. You understand that? This is our society folks I have no clue what that is. Okay? 67% of unchurched adults call themselves Christian. Our society thinks today that all you got to do is say you're a Christian and somehow you are one. Okay? And that they're okay for eternity. 2% believe that there is no such thing as God, while 2% believe that everyone is God, while 10% believe you can become God. A little bit confused there. It's kind of like with the Mormons, what they teach, the false teaching. 45% say that Jesus did not come back to physical life, but he was a great teacher. Whoa. Uh, 51% believe that while Jesus Christ lived on earth, he committed sins. Whoa. That's, that's, that's in the world. Uh, 37% say there are some crimes that are unforgivable even by God. Whoa. We're in a heap of trouble. If that's true, praise God, it's not. 19% believe that, Hey, the whole idea of sins outdated anyway who cares? You know what I'm saying? Do what you want. 68% say that Satan is merely a symbol of evil. He's not even real. Yet, yeah, Coupled with this one, 80% believe that angels exist and influence people's lives. Can I tell you something? Satan is a fallen angel. Uh, isn't that funny? You don't want to believe in him who's a fallen angel, but you believe in angels and they influence. Wow. It's kind of weird. Uh, 64% believe that if a person is generally good or does enough good things, how do you know enough is enough? What if you get there and it was a million and one and you did a million? You never know. Okay, that's a tormenting thing. It's not true anyway. Uh, For others during their life, they're gonna earn a place in heaven if you just do good stuff, okay? 61% of people who do not accept Jesus Christ as their savior will not be condemned to hell. Everybody hates that hell thing. Uh, And just last week, if you're paying attention to the news, the new Pope, Pope Francis, assured atheists, quote, you don't even have to believe in God to go to heaven. Just last week, you can check it out yourself. What? Now that's the tip of the iceberg. Okay, but but, but folks, on our journey of this morning, it's, uh, y'all don't want to hit a speed bump. Uh, that was actually a pothole. But but it appears to me that the average Joe on the street, including the new Pope, is a little bit confused when it comes to eternity. How about you? All right. Hey, but we still got to answer this question. So I know, I know. Hey, how about we turn to the church, right? I mean, I mean, surely those who are claiming to be Christians can tell us emphatically if there's life after death, right? Folks, the world has so impacted us. It's almost an even parallel in every single one of these. Watch this. This is crazy. These are people professing to be Christians today. 30% say that Jesus Christ died but never had a physical resurrection. Excuse me. This is in the church, folks. Paul says if he wasn't raised from the dead, uh, uh, our sins are not forgiven. Our faith is futile. Okay, that's crazy. This is in the church. 29% said that when Jesus lived on earth, he committed sins just like other people. Well, no wonder why you don't believe he raised again from the dead. This is in the church. It's crazy. 29% say there are some crimes or sins or other things which people might do which cannot be forgiven by God. In the church. Why did Jesus go to the cross then? This is crazy. 65% of the church says that the devil or Satan is not a living being, but is a symbol of evil. The world's at 68. In the church, we're 65. Not that far off. Anybody starting to see a pattern? It's almost like we are no longer the salt and light of this world. That the world is now dictating even the beliefs in the church. Wow, this is pretty messed up. 22% in the church say that all people will experience the same outcomes after death. Regardless of their religious beliefs. And 25% say, hey, it doesn't even matter what faith you follow. Because all faith groups teach the same lessons. No, they don't. Jesus is the only way to heaven. I didn't say that he did. In the church is what they believe. 5% believe that when they die, they're going to heaven because they tried to obey the Ten Commandments in the church. 7% say that they will go to heaven because God loves all people and he's not going to allow them to perish. And why did Jesus talk more about hell than he did heaven if it's all make believe? So 31% say that a good person can earn his or way into heaven. Again, then why did Jesus go to the cross? 12% in the church say they don't even know what's going to happen to them after they die. And I thought this was funny. 2% of people in the church say that when they die, they're not going to heaven. Get out of that church. (laughs) Get out of all those churches. Whoa. Ah, man, what a journey we're on. I don't know about you, but it appears to me that unfortunately even the Christian community... Seems to be just as confused about eternal matters as well, right? So, man, we've got to answer this question. So, what are we going to do? How, how, how about we, we now turn to those who have supposedly been there and come back? You know, those near-death experience people. Maybe they could tell us, folks, is there really life after death? Let's take a look at this first candidate right here.
1: Tell me the first things that you saw.
2: I saw an angel. who's much taller than I am and he said walk around and it was so beautiful as far as you could see as far as the eyes could see it was just beautiful um, flowers like I would never seen before it just awesome and it was like it was just praising God I looked at the grass and, and the grass was so well manicured and each blade it had a like a diamond or emblem in it and, and, I, and it was just so 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 beautiful the colors that are there is like, like any colors the environment, the scenery is just, oh man, it's just so beautiful and, and, and I walked along this, this river that I saw coming out of this big, beautiful golden palace and it was like liquid diamonds and it was just moving the waves of this, this river and then I heard a voice of, of, of I believe they were a- angels were singing, far better than any choir I've ever heard combined, all of them together on earth could not compare to what I've
0: heard and saw. Now you know why I'm not going to be in the choir when we get to heaven. (laughs) Especially with this scratchy voice today. Wow, man, guys, that that didn't sound too bad, huh? I mean, that sounded pretty good, okay? Well, folks, if you know anything about these so-called near-death experiences, they don't always turn out pleasant like that one. Sometimes they turn out kind of creepy like this one watch this
1: we are now going to visit hell
2: Can you see the gates of hell?
1: The angel raised his hand, and as he brought it down, the gates ripped open with a great noise. Daniel could hear the crying and wailing of many people, but he could not see any of them. And many light shone from the angel's body into the darkness, so that Daniel could see more clearly. There were many people there, but unlike the souls in heaven, the appearance of these people was as it had been on earth. They were from every race, culture, and nationality. Every person seemed trapped in their own personal torment, a torment which would go on for eternity, and they could not communicate with others. The sounds of crying and wailing were almost deafening. Suddenly, they all seemed to become aware of Daniel and started crying to him for help. And they called to Daniel only as if they could not see the angel. After the pastor made the statement, the force that was tormenting him seemed to increase. The people had flesh but no blood, and they almost seemed to be on fire, although no flames could be seen. a group of people that were eating their own flesh. They would vomit what they ate and their flesh grew back. This carried on in an endless cycle of torment. Those people you see eating themselves, they practiced witchcraft while they were on earth. They specialized in eating human flesh and now they'll eat themselves forever what they say.
0: Wow. Man, I know it's still early, guys, but maybe it's just me, but I don't know about you. I don't want to wake up dead like that. <laughs> what? And granted, folks, those near-death experiences are fascinating to say the least, but I really don't recommend that you build your theology off of that, okay, because that's all subjective. You can't test that stuff it's just subjective okay but i don't but i i I don't think that they can give us the definitive answer so i know how about we turn to the word of god Uh, you know that's really where we need to start right i mean because that's uh, objective you can test the word of god it's tried and true let's ask almighty god the author of life is there really life after death i mean surely he would know right well he does turn to somebody say well duh he does okay uh and then turn to daniel chapter 12 (laughs) Let's just take a look at just one passage, folks, uh, in the scripture. Daniel chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 3. Okay, if you find Daniel, what do you do? Tell him to get in here. Service has already started. Uh, and then turn to the book of Daniel. Uh, verses uh, one through three there in chapter 12. And of course, the context as you're turning there is dealing with the last days of the Jewish people. God's not done with them. We saw that in the final countdown study. Okay, he's going to rescue a remnant and he's gonna talk about how the ultimate thing is, listen, you got two places you're gonna end up. Okay, in Old Testament, New Testament, the Bible is clear. There is life after death. It's one of two places. Okay, let's take a look at that context here. Uh, chapter 12 in the book of Daniel, verse 1 says this. Now, at that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, Daniel, the Jewish people, will arise. And there will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is what? found written in the book will be delivered. Listen, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Some, here's your two options. Here's your elevator. Some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Therefore, it's common sense. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Okay? Okay. Now, folks, again, this is just one passage in the scripture, just one, okay, and just in the Old Testament. But the Bible is clear, folks, uh, that when we die, we will not cease to exist, right? Contrary to what our society says, folks, listen, death does not end with a period, it ends with a comma. And each one of us are going to continue to exist forever and ever and ever and ever in one of two places. Just like in elevator, folks, the Bible is clear. We're headed for two destinations. Daniel calls it out just in this text. He says, you're either going to everlasting life or you're going to everlasting contempt. Let me translate that for you. You're either going straight up into heaven or you're going straight down into hell forever. Right? And folks, you can scoff all you want about it, but once you're there, you're not coming back. There is no second chance. Everlasting means just that. Everlasting forever. The Bible clearly says, folks, that at the twinkling of an eye, just like that, one minute into eternity. Listen, the ground is not the final resting place for your soul. Rather, the original place that people went to was a place called Sheol. Sheol. Okay, the first place that the people went to prior to the resurrection of Christ was a place called Sheol. Okay, and the first thing we need to learn about Sheol this morning is that Sheol was originally the dwelling place for all the dead. Okay, and and the reason why I'm I'm, uh, 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 teaching you on this is because many false teachings in the church today come from a misunderstanding on what Sheol was. And I think it'll be clarified here in a little bit, okay? Let's take a look at what the scriptures teach about life after death, okay, prior to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, okay? Who went to Sheol or the grave? Well, here's one passage, Psalm 9, verse 17, says, the wicked, the who? The wicked will return to Sheol. Okay, it's just the Hebrew word just means grave or place of the departed dead. That's all it means. Sheol or the grave, even all the nations who forget God, okay? So here we see, according to the Bible, that the wicked went to Sheol, the grave, right? Okay, but listen, guys, if you continue to read the scripture, you're also going to see that the righteous people went to Sheol, but they didn't go into the pit. Let me just share with you one verse showing us that truth. Psalm 30, verse 3. Oh, Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol, the grave. You have kept me alive that I would not go down to the what? The pit. The pit. Right? Now, if you stop and think about this for a second, you say, wait a second, Pastor Billy. This is kind of weird. How in the world could the righteous and the unrighteous coexist in the same place? I thought we're supposed to be separated. Right? Well, believe it or not, folks, Jesus clues us in on how in the world that could be prior to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this is what he's talking about in this great passage in Luke 16. Okay? Verses 22-26, through through Jesus said, Now the poor man died... And he was carried away to uh, by angels to where Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and he was buried too. Okay, he was buried too, and in Hades again. Now that's just the Greek word for the exact same word sheol in the Hebrew. It just means uh, grave. Okay, sheol is the Hebrew word grave. Hades. Okay, and I, I, I belabor that because people automatically assume that Hades means hell, and that's not the case. Okay. And he lifted up his eyes in Hades, being in torment, and he saw Abraham far away and Lazarus at his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am partying down here with my friends. Whoa! No, you're in agony. We'll get to that, Lord willing, in a couple of weeks. But, but Abraham said, Child, remember? Ooh, wait a second. You mean in, in hell people Remember? Every opportunity they had to turn and be rescued. Whoa. Child, remember that during your life you received good things and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he's being comforted here and you're in agony all right. And besides all this, between us and you there's a great chasm fixed. So that those who wish to come over from here to you will what? Not be able and none may cross over from there to us. Okay, and this is again is Jesus speaking on this passage, okay, as we see. So Jesus informs us that listen, both the righteous and the unrighteous originally went to the same place, right? Sheol grave, Hades grave, okay? Upon death that's where they went. Yet he says they were separated by a great chasm. So you couldn't cross over, right? Let me see if I can visualize this for you uh, so we can take a look. Here we see the picture of Sheol. Again, Hebrew word for the grave or Hades, same thing. And both simply mean the grave or the place of the departed dead. Okay, so what's going on here? This is what the grave looked like prior to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, now listen to this. The unrighteous went to the one side of the place called torment or the pit of hell. As you can see there on the left, I just chose the left okay now the righteous went to the other side called abraham's bosom or paradise okay now remember when jesus was on the cross and the thief believed in him right what did jesus say today you'll be with me in paradise Paradise. he's talking about the righteous side of Sheol, not hell if jesus went to hell we're in a heap of trouble we'll get to that in a second and notice like jesus said there's a great chasm fixed between the two so neither side could cross over to each other okay you're starting to visualize luke 16 Okay, that's what he's talking about. Now, it's important to note that Hades does not necessarily mean hell. Hell is just one side of it, right? Is what's going on there. And again, because people today, they, it makes, they try to make a fabulous story. And when Jesus died on the cross, he went down into hell. And he's battling demons. And he's, he's putting up with that pain and suffering. And he made it out of their life. Excuse me, blasphemy. If Jesus went to hell, that's the place for the unrighteous. He went to the right side, okay? Makes for a neat story, but it's bad Bible, okay? Don't believe in that plenty. It's this must why some people also state that when Jesus died and when he was in the ground for three days, that he went to hell and he was down there preaching to others, giving them a second chance. Very popular, unfortunately, false teaching in the church. Okay, what they do is they take 1 Peter chapter 3, where it says Jesus is down there proclaiming to the spirits in prison. The Greek word there is keruso, which means to preach and proclaim. Jesus was on this side, the righteous side, proclaiming victory. I've won you're uh, I won and he's down there fulfilling prophecy that he made that he, as he was in Jonah and the belly of the well for 3 days and 3 nights so he's going to be there and he's going to rise again. He's not giving people a second chance. He's proclaiming victory. Another false teaching that's dispelled when you understand what's going on with the grave or sheol, okay? Rather he's on the righteous side proclaiming victory awaiting the fulfillment of the prophecy, awaiting his resurrection. Now, when Jesus was resurrected, he took with him the Old Testament righteous saints. The ones who went to Abraham's bosom or to paradise. Okay, And this is what Paul is meaning with this verse. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 8 through 9. Therefore it says when he ascended on high. Jesus. What did he do? He led captive a host of captives. Okay, And gave gifts to men. Now this expression he ascended. What does it mean? That he also descended on the righteous side. Okay, into the lower parts of the earth. Okay, and so Paul says that when Jesus went to heaven, he also took with him the righteous side of Sheol or Hades with him into heaven. Okay, and it might have looked something like this. Okay, now you can see there's only one half left. Now that is just hell. Okay, but at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he took the righteous saints with him into heaven. Now this is interesting, I believe it's in Matthew 27, there's just a little verse there that said after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not only did the veil be torn in uh, the temple, but it said there just a little verse there that all of a sudden for a little bit people saw the spirits of the Old Testament saints. Why? Because they're going up with Jesus. Okay? That's what it's talking about. You look at it biblically, everything comes into line. You get it wrong, false teaching all over the place. Okay. But they went to heaven. Now, and that's the phrase he meant. He led a host of captives with him. Now, that's why when you and I today, the Christian die, we immediately go to be with Jesus in heaven. We don't go down there anymore. This is what Paul is meaning by this encouraging statement here. When he says in second Corinthians five, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body to be present with who the Lord. Where's Jesus right now? At the right hand of the Father, right? That's where we go. Abs from the body, bang. Woo, Jesus, I love you. Anybody excited about that? Man, oh, people, this is coming. It's going to be awesome. But as you can see, right now, currently, the unrighteous are still cast down to the other side of Sheol or Hades that still left the place of torment or what we now call hell. Okay? That's about as simple as I can hopefully make it for you. Okay, but the good news is we saw when we Christians die, we go straight into heaven to be with Jesus. The only people who go to Sheol is what's left of Sheol. And that's the, the left side there, if you will, to pick a side. And that is the unsaved or the unrighteous, those people who reject Jesus Christ as their savior. They go to the remaining side called hell. Okay? That's the first thing we need to learn about Sheol. The second thing that we need to learn about Sheol is it prevents contact with the dead. Now, folks, I'm telling you, there are so many people, and dare I say, unfortunately, even Christians that are getting severely duped when it comes to this. I'm very excited to be able to share this and clarify. You cannot speak with the dead. Okay. In fact, but don't take my word for it. Let's clarify again what Jesus said in Luke 16, that you cannot do that. It's, it's so clear, it's not even funny. Let's take a look at that passage again. He clearly tells us why. Luke 16, verses 24 through 26. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus so he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue because, man, I'm in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, child, remember, during your life you received your good things and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he is comforted here. And yeah, you are in agony. And besides all this, Jesus speaking, Between us and you, there's a great chasm fixed. Listen, so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able and that none may cross over from there to us. Okay? Jesus is speaking here, folks, and he clearly says that once a person dies, uh, you are not coming back from the grave. Right? There is a great chasm fixed. There's no crossing over back and forth. In other words, there's no coming back. He lays it on the line. He's clear. And this is just one passage. He said, you're either straight up in heaven with God, praise God, or you're straight up in hell. And that's the way it's going to be forever. That's what he says there. Okay. The Bible is clear about that eternal life or eternal punishment is your, uh, uh, two options today. That's it. And I'm telling you folks, we have got to get this drilled into our heads as Christians today. How many people today are being duped? Listen, by all these ghost shows today, by all these medium shows where people are what? Having you and I believe that they got this strange supernatural power. That they can do what Jesus says you can't do. And that is speak with the dead. Right? And they're nuts. They're going crazy today. Shows like the ghost hunters thing or whatever. And the medium shows. There's all... What, what's the latest of that? Long Island medium? Yeah. And, and with all due respect, what are they doing? They're tricking people. Even Christians allowing this into their homes and minds into thinking that you can communicate with your dead loved one or aunt Vera or some historical figure. What? That's not what the Bible says. According to the Bible, Jesus speaking, aunt Vera or whoever died either went straight into heaven or she went straight into hell for rejecting Christ. And she's been there ever since. Why? Because there's a great chasm fixed, man. You ain't crossing over. You're not coming back. That's it. Okay. Now listen, here's the clarification point. Here's where the enemy dupes us if the person did hear a voice when engaged in this stuff. If they did see an apparition, because I'm not saying they didn't. Okay? I'm not denying that possibility, but you need to listen to the scripture. The scripture says, it wasn't Aunt Vera. It wasn't Abraham Lincoln. Okay, it's what the Bible calls a familiar spirit Or a demon, listen, who is deceiving you on not just life after death issues, but they're sucking you away from the Bible into occult practices. And this is why God says, don't do it, people. Don't you even go there. I told you this. How many more times I got to tell you? And this is what God says way back in the Old Testament, folks. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9 through 14. God says, when you enter the land the Lord your God has given you, do not... Learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, or who is a what? Medium or spiritist, or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. And because of these detestable practices, the Lord your God is going to drive out the nations before you listen You, speaking to his people, must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations you will uh, dispossess, listen to those who practice sorcery and uh, divination. But as for you, listen, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. Can I tell you something? Shut it off. Okay? Folks, I don't know how you can get any clearer than that passage. Again, that's just one. But God clearly says that his people are not permitted to even try to even think, even hint, even why in the world would you go there in the first place? To try to communicate with the dead. Don't even try it. Why? Because number one, he's already told us you can't. There's a cat. It ain't happening. And number two, he doesn't want us duped by a demonic deception. And he doesn't want us sucked away out of the Bible and into cold practices because he loves us. That's why he says, don't even go there. But listen, if you don't want to listen to God, which I do not recommend, by the way. Okay, let me give you two actual testimonies of people I personally know and I personally interviewed on this issue. And they're going to share with you today, okay, what happens when you violate, even as a Christian, these commands from God, okay? One is a lady, and I'll just say her first name, Christine. She's from Oregon, okay? And she wrote it down for me. And another is a good friend of mine. His name's Bud. He's in Arizona. He's actually... Uh, visited us here a couple times at sunrise, and you didn't even know. (laughs) And they both shared with me. I asked them to write it down, what they experienced, how they learned the hard way. Would you just do what God says? Don't mess with this stuff. Here's what happens when you do. Let's take a look at first at Christine. She said, my father, when he was in the military, got heavily involved with the occult. And he said he was in a seance, you know, trying to speak with the dead, uh, with some of his clan. And the table started levitating, and he heard voices. They all ran out of the room, and these phantom things followed. He didn't say too much more about the experience. The weird thing is he says that a bald man sits by him at night and tells him what the kids are doing. First of all, that's not Telly Sabalas. For all three of you who know who that is. (laughs) Me personally, stick to a webcam if you want to find out what your kids are doing. Don't do this. But this is the testimony. Then there was the Ouija board. She got, oh, what? Uh Uh-huh. The Ouija board at our house, she said, uh, from my father. Somehow we got a hold of it as kids. They started playing with it. And we would hear scratching inside the walls of the house after that. And, and, and to this day, that house scares, scares me. There's something there not godly. Listen to Bud's testimony. He said, growing up, I was always fascinated about the possibility of other life out there. And I just couldn't get enough about it. So while surfing the internet... You know, and, and, and about uh, uh, them and, and ghost hunting. You know, all those shows that the rage today. Listen, he said, I ran across a video that showed you how to make them show up on demand. It worked so well, I would invite family and friends over on weekends to witness it. And we would have barbecues and play with this stuff. However, it wasn't long before I started seeing dark shadows pass over me and around the yard. They were darker than the night, but so dark you could still see them. Wow. He said, hard to explain, but it's true. He said, I I never said anything to anyone so they wouldn't get scared. Plus, I really didn't know what I was seeing. It wasn't until a few weeks later that my second oldest daughter asked me, Dad, what are those dark things that fly over us? And when I heard that, I just got the chills. My eyes eyes even started to water. It it was such a strange feeling because I guess I was hoping that maybe it was just me. So I caught my breath, he said, and he said, so you see them also, huh? And then my youngest daughter said, Dad, I see them all over the yard and in my room. Okay, And it hit me hard, he said, because she had been telling me something would bother her at night and threw her stuffed animals at her when she was sleeping and would hold her down. I even slept on the floor one night to show her that there was nothing to be scared of. In fact, I set up a video camera to prove to her that nothing happens while we're sleeping. Direct quote. Well, I couldn't show her that video because she was right and I was wrong. He said, then one night my wife and kids took the puppies outside to let them run before bed. And my daughter ran back in telling me, mom said, come and look at this. And when I got outside, I looked up and there was this huge reaper shaped thing that was gliding in the air going around our house. It looked like silk flying in the wind, but it kept circling our house. So I walked up to about 10 feet, uh, feet from it and it just stared back at me. I couldn't see the face, but the hood was facing right at me. It was a windy full moon night. And when I saw it flying in front of me, I said, God, what is that? We didn't talk much about it after that, and we still don't today. Listen, listen. We no longer watch videos on ghost hunting or UFOs or even scary movies. Listen, we know who they are and we know what they want. Interesting. Can I translate that for you? In other words, we learned the lesson the hard way don't violate Scripture. As even a Christian, God has fixed a chasm at the grave. There's no crossing over back and forth. No person is coming back. Anything beyond that is a demonic apparition that is trying to dupe you, not only if you're not a Christian, into hell, the only compartment that is left in Sheol currently, or if you are a Christian, to get you away from the only book that brings freedom in life, the Bible. And to trick you into demonic practices. To bring you into bondage again. Okay? The third and final thing we need to learn about Sheol is, listen, this is wild, man. Uh, Did you know that that's not the final destination for the unrighteous dead? Did you know they're going to get a moment of reprieve? This is wild when you put all this together. Uh, Let's take a look at that passage of scripture. It's called the Great White Throne Judgment. Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it, God, Watch this earth and sky fled from his presence and there was no place for them, no place at all. And I saw the dead great and small standing before the throne and books were open and uh, books notice it's plural books were open. Another book singular was open. That's the book of life. Okay. then the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books plural. The sea gave up the dead that were in it and death and Hades, which means grave. But what's the only compartment that's currently left? Hell. In that passage, it means hell. Okay? Uh, So they gave up, hell gave up what was dead in it, uh, were in them. Each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into where? The lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Whoa. Okay. Okay. Now, folks, I truly believe we don't get the full impact of what's going on at the great white throne judgment until you put it all together with the timing of Sheol. Okay, just backtrack with me a little bit and let's see if we can set the scene. Okay, as we saw before, Jesus is now at the right hand of the father in heaven. Right. And that when we, the Christian accepting the free gift and graciousness of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross to get us to heaven, when we accept him as our savior, absent from our bodies, the moment we die, bang, we're right with him in heaven. Right. Right. Just to clarify. Okay, now, but we see even today, the unrighteous are still being cast in the final compartment that's left down. They're called hell. Right. And they're stacking up and stacking up and stacking up and stacking up. But as we just read, folks, they're only there until they're raised up at the great white throne judgment. Well, they'll be cast into the lake of fire forever. You thought hell was bad. You ain't seen nothing yet. Now let's see if we can visualize this. Let me see if I can picture it for you. These people obviously did not want to trust in the work of Jesus Christ to get them to heaven so that they could be placed in the book singular of life. Instead, they apparently trusted in their own works that were recorded in the books of works, the books, the plural works that's recording all of our deeds. Oh, that's interesting. Do you mean that God's recording everything we've ever done? Yeah. Yeah. Even the stuff we thought we got away with. Even the stuff in the God can see in the dark, you know. But he's writing it all down. Did you know the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? If you entrust Jesus Christ as your savior, he wipes your pages clean. But these people didn't want that. And so it kept being all stacked up, all recording all these books. And so uh, they fell short of God's glory. It says they are going to be judged accordingly. Now listen, can you imagine how horrible this must be? Because look at what's going on here, okay? These people, for however long, have been in hell hundreds of years, some thousands of years. They've been in that compartment of hell, the one side that's now, the only side that's left. They've been in their torment today, after day, after day, after day, in total agony, flames of torment, weeping of gnashing of teeth, and all of a sudden, boom! You're out of there. You're out of that. The intense horrible pain and suffering it's gone and you're standing there pain free what I never thought I'd get out of hell and you're standing there before God's holy and righteous throne and the pain's gone the agony's gone at least for a moment hey can you imagine what's going to be going through these people's brains at that time it's like whoa yes I guess I do get a second chance You're only there long enough to be judged according to your works because you rejected Jesus Christ. Maybe a voice at that point as they're just about ready to say, praise God, I made it, I made it, woo! since you didn't want to trust in the work of my son Jesus Christ you will now be judged according to your works you fall short of the glory of God you are now going from hell into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever can you imagine the response to those people no why didn't I listen when I attended sunrise every time they gave the gospel and I wouldn't respond I was too proud to get out of that pew. I didn't want other people around me to know that I really wasn't a Christian, even though I've been coming here for 20 years. Why didn't I listen to my grandmother? Why didn't I listen to my mom? Why didn't I listen to my coworker? Why? But now it's too late. That's the scene that's going on there. Isn't that wild? Folks, I don't know about you, but here's the point. It sure appears to me the Bible's pretty emphatic that, uh, yeah, there really is life after death. How about you? <laughs> You've been dealt in the nitty gritty when you study it, right? Answers a lot of questions. In fact, folks, let me clue you in on something. It's all over the place. From cover to cover. Old Testament, New Testament. Why? Because God loves his people, and he's trying to get us prepared for that which lasts forever. It's called eternity. This is why the Bible exists This is why the scriptures exist. Listen, not so that we can get the right answer on jeopardy. It's so that you and I can be adequately prepared for eternity. And so the question is this. Are you really ready for your own journey beyond the grave? Have you adequately made your preparations for your own journey beyond the grave? Or are you just too distracted with less important things as you hurl to doom? Like this guy, this is a true story. Watch this. On April
3: 2nd, 1988, a tragic accident took place in Lewisburg, North Carolina. While people die every day without much public attention, the events surrounding this young man's death were startling and eerie enough to make national news. Not every day does someone die in a skydiving accident. And far, far more rarely... Is it because they have forgotten to put on their parachute? But never before had the accident been caught on camera, videotaped by the victim himself. An experienced skydiver on his third jump of the day, he was trying out a new helmet-mounted camera. Apparently his fascination with his new gadget, coupled with a far too relaxed, take-it-for-granted attitude towards the infinitely more serious task at hand, led him to commit a blunder of mind-and-body-shattering proportions. One can only wonder which thought horrified him more as he plummeted to the earth. I am about to die? Or... How could I have been so stupid, as to have forgotten my parachute? It's too late now for this young man. But there's still time for us, as we consider a similar question, one of even greater magnitude. Right now, each of us is hurtling towards the moment When we will die Is there a parachute that can save us From the ultimate end Of that death And have we focused on the wrong things The gadgets And entertainments of this world And distracted ourselves From the real task at hand Life is but for a moment But eternity Is
0: forever Wow Folks, as we close, you can scoff all you want, but one day you're going to die. And so am I, unless the rapture occurs and there's nothing we can do to stop it. Can you imagine what was going through that guy's mind? If only I had just just one minute to do it right. It's too late. And nothing could reverse his fate. Why? Because he was too distracted... With less important things in life. And he plunged to his doom. And so, in closing, I ask you this morning is your parachute packed? Are you really headed to heaven or to hell? Notice I didn't say, do you go to church services? Because that doesn't save you any more than sitting in a hen house makes you a chicken. You got to be born again. It's really hard to get that analogy off my lips, by the way. Notice I did not say that uh, do you teach a Sunday school class? Did you get baptized? Do you serve on a church board? As we saw with the one video, are you a pastor? Surely that makes you a Christian. No, it doesn't. I'm asking you, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Is he the one who's packing your parachute? Because if he's not, I'm going to lay it on the line for you. You are headed right now towards your absolute worst nightmare. Give your life to Jesus right now. Because one minute into eternity... It'll be too late forever. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven. And that's because God is holy